Amen. Amen. Let's open the Bible together to Romans chapter 7. Every message deserves or needs a setup. And I think the setup today is around sin, honestly. Um, sin is a part of every one of our lives. We all relate. Um, sometimes when we get a holiday, like Thanksgiving, um, we spend more time on ourselves and our sin and our pleasures and desires and less time, you know, in our habits, in our, uh, Levi and I were coming this morning at like seven o'clock and, um, we were just talking about, I said, Hey, what did you learn from Romans? He's like, yeah, I had to read like three chapters yet, uh, last night. And I was like, yeah, I missed some as well. Uh, because, you know, sometimes when we take a holiday, we take a holiday from God. And it should be the exact opposite, right? But sin is sin. And so let's, let's get to Romans 7 and let's see sin for what it is. And um, let's set up this message in such a way that it will encourage us, right? Sin doesn't have to be our way forward, even if it, it tugs at us and wages war on us. Um, so... It says in uh, chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Likewise, my brothers and sisters, you also have died. Now, you'd have to read the illustration, you know, of what's happened and so on and so forth. But you also have died to the law, the Old Testament, the rules, through the body of Christ. So that you may belong to another. So it's like we were betrothed to something. We were married to something. And now that's severed and we're now married to something else. We belong to another. That's the picture he's, he's giving. To him, so who, who's the another that we belong to? I think that's worth asking, right? Right there, you're like, who do I belong to? Who's the other? To him who has been raised from the dead. Does anybody have a clue who that is? I mean, there's only a few people that have been raised from the dead. Is he talking about Lazarus? Okay, he's talking about Jesus. Okay, just make sure. In order that we may bear fruit for God. So is there like a target for us? A purpose in our life? What would the purpose be? That we may bear fruit for God. That's what God wants for us to do. He wants us to bear fruit for him. For while we were living in our flesh, our sinful passions, does anybody relate? I do. <laughs> Aroused by the law. Do you know that actually what happens is the law creates a desire to sin. When you tell somebody, you can't have that, what do they want? They want that. When you're like, you shouldn't covet, I'm like, man, but I really want everything my neighbor has. That pool, that looks pretty sweet, right? I mean, the law is what accentuates sin. Now, you would think that's bad, but it's not bad, it's actually good. Because we're so proud we don't see our own sin, so it needs to be accentuated so that we go, oh, I'm a sinner. I need something, right? So the law actually is helpful. It's good for us because it points out, man, I'm a sinner. 
Okay, that's, that's how it happens. Okay, aroused by the law, we're at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Your sinful flesh, your sinful passions, work in your body, at work in your members to bear fruit for death. Kind of weird statement. Death, fruit, like you don't think of that. Like if a tree's dead, it doesn't have fruit, right? But he, again, just follow the illustration. He's saying, hey, there's fruit for death and there's fruit for life. But now we are released from the law. I just don't know if you like have grasped that yet or not. But like if you really get a hold of that, it's going to change everything about you. You're going to become a less judgmental person. You're going to stop having a standard that people have to live up to. Right? Oh, no man, anyone except for to love them. Okay? Right? Released from the law, having died to that which was held, uh, to that which held us captive, which is the law. Right? So that we serve in a new way. Did you know that? How many times do you go to church and you serve like you got, oh, pull myself up? I mean, there's people in the nursery right now, man. Bless their heart. With those rugrats. I used to be a children's pastor. I love it. You know what? Two and three-year-olds, they make you tired. I mean, I don't, if, if they don't make you tired, you should be in that class. Right? I'm just saying. I could be with first through fifth graders all day long in the flesh and, and, and just be like, oh, this is awesome. Right? But two and three-year-olds, I better be in the spirit or I'm in trouble. All right? There's a new way to serve. There's a new way we serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code, right? The, the law, the Old Testament, the written code. There's a new way, it's called love. There's a new way, it's rhema, it's the, it's the law that God's placed on your heart that says, not that. You know, sometimes when I'm sinning, I'm quoting scripture. It's like I'm quoting scripture to myself. Don't do that. Like, oh, hold on. That's on my heart. God wrote that on me. Right? You ever had that happen? We're like, oh, I want to do this. And then you're like, eh, I quoted scripture. Now it's like, if I do it, like I'm denying the truth. And that happens sometimes. Where I just deny, I don't know, I just want to please myself. I'm just going to deny the truth. But the truth was right there. It was written on my heart. Okay, that's a new way. All right, look down at verse 15. Let me wrap this up by just reading it. Try to grasp every word. I've explained too much in that. This is just the setup. For I did not understand my, I, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, the Old Testament, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Remember, the law points out sin in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Do you know that? I, nothing good dwells in me. Apart from the Holy Spirit. He's going to get to that. Nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh, just to clarify, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is still is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it. Consider this. But sin that dwells within me. There's a lot about dwelling in this passage. A lot about sin dwelling in your members. And then there's going to be a lot about the spirit dwelling in you. And there's a contrast there. And it's obvious to me, sin should not dwell. And spirit should dwell. All right? That, that's the, the key. So I find it to be a law or a rule. You, you know, like Murphy's Law? What goes up, comes down, or if something good happens, something bad's going to happen, whatever, that kind of thing. Okay, so, so I find it to be a rule that when I want to do right, have you ever wanted to do something right? You ever had a heart and a desire for God? Okay, but what happens? Evil lies close at hand. So just know it's coming, right? When you're like, dude, I'm on fire for God. Just know Satan's going to try to kick you in the teeth. And be ready for it. And submit to the Spirit's leading in that. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. And making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Have you ever just felt like that? Well, you're like, no, I'm a woman. Okay, wretched woman that I am. I felt like that. This is all a setup. This isn't God saying you stink. We do. But this is like a setup. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of death? This is death. Right here in front of you. Just death. Spiritual death. Who's going to deliver you from that? What a great question. And a pause. And then the next verse. (laughs) Thanks. Right? Isn't this Thanksgiving time? What are we thankful for? Here's what we're thankful for. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Woo! Exclamation point. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh... Even after Jesus, I serve the law of sin. What? There's this battle going on. So what's going to help me, even post-Jesus, right? I believe. What's going to help me in this battle that's waging in my flesh and spirit? title of the message today is more consistency in his spirit in the spirit the spirit is the helper is the guide is the teacher is the leader and we must receive him by faith and practice in step with him right walk in step with the spirit from galatians we have gone over that but man I, i mean i'm reading romans and i'm just like soaking it in it's rich it's rich it's rich it's rich right? But Romans 8, 1 through 27, 20 times he mentions this God, the God, Spirit. And if, like, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. 
But if you are paying attention, it's right there. So here, here's the thing. More consistency in the Spirit. The life in the Spirit means. I'm just going to go off of that. Life in the Spirit means, here's the first thing. Life in the Spirit means my mind is set on the Spirit. Now, I want to just say it this way. My mind is set on God. The Spirit is God. See, I really stumbled around on this. Just kind of like the, okay, just a really quick illustration. You got three columns, okay? You have the Old Testament. Who's God? God is God, right? And they're all trying to get to him. He's having a relationship with Abraham and Moses. And then he tries to have a relationship with all of Israel. And they're like, oh, no. We just want to go through Moses. We're scared. That's what happened. And then he sends Jesus, right? After all that mess, he sends Jesus. And the Pharisees say what? We want to have a relationship with God. We want to be like Moses and Abraham. And we want to be back to this guy. When God the, in flesh, Jesus, is right in front of them. Okay, now here go to column three, where we are. Jesus, God, sent a babysitter, the Holy Spirit, for us. Right? So we have a God... The Holy Spirit with us right now. And we're here going, we want Jesus. We want Jesus. And all I have to say to that is, this category of we want Jesus is the same category here. Pharisee, scribe, Sadducee, religious person trying to crawl their way to God, thinking they know it all, right? And so over here, if we have the humility to go, I don't know it all. I can read the scriptures, I can ask God to unveil my eyes, then we're going to pursue God the Spirit, right? That is what we're trying. More consistency in the Spirit, which means less sin, praise the Lord. More consistency in the Spirit, so life in the Spirit means, first of all, my mind is set on God. My mind is set on Him, it's focused on Him. There's so many things battling for your mind. Like he said, the news. That will fill your mind with somebody's narrative. You know, a movie. That will fill your mind with somebody's narrative. You know, you go talk to somebody, one of your friends. That will fill your mind with somebody's narrative. And they may be godly, they may not be. We love them regardless. But how do we set our minds on the things of God. So let me keep reading chapter 8 quickly. There is therefore, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thought that would get a cheer. There is, I'll just read it again. There is now, okay, it's a new way through the Spirit, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that's awesome. There's no condemnation if I'm in Jesus Christ, like nobody's going like, you stink, you stink, you stink. It's like, nope, he paid for it, he paid for it, he paid for it. Right? What, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid, right? We know that. But like, why does he even say that statement in chapter 6? Because they know it's free. That's why. Do we know it's free? For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. From the law of sin and death. 
For God has done what the law, Old Testament, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What is that? He forgave. The law couldn't forgive, but Jesus can. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, just like us, body, he took off his royal, and he emptied himself, and he's like, I'll put on flesh. And he condemned sin in the flesh. He said, you have no hold on me. Go back to the pit from which you came. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. The most astounding word in this whole thing. In, what is it? What does it say? In what? Why does it say in him? I can't make too much of this. And I can't, I'm not even saying I've got it figured out. But you are participating with God. In us, he says. He doesn't say in him, Jesus. He says in you. That's astounding to me. Who walk not according to the flesh. Ooh, there's a test. Am I walking according to the flesh or according to the spirit? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Your mind is very priceless. It's very valuable in this battle, sin versus the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. You ever been spiritually dead? This week, I was like, where are you, God? (laughs) Am I dead? Like, I don't feel you, right? It's not just a feeling. But I don't feel you. What's between us? I need you, right? I got to be with you. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. I've felt dead. Death is an okay feeling because it teaches you. It's like an alarm that goes off. Like a smoke alarm. Get out of the house. It helps you. So when you feel dead, turn. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Does anybody need more life and peace? Yes. That's what life is when you set your mind on the spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. You ever just told God off? God, why are you acting like that? God, why do you think you can, you know, can do that? Like, I used to be kind of hostile towards God. I'd be like, why did you let me see pornography at five years old? On a Christian school playground. I didn't have a chance, God. I'm going to be hostile towards him. Now I'm like, thank you, God for pointing out my sin, for bringing that sin to my life, because I wouldn't be saved apart from that. It took gross, and knowing that I was gross, to be saved. So, But we can get hostile towards God, for it does not submit. That's a key word. I have it circled in my Bible. Verse 7. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot Submit to God's law. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You ever feel like, man, I just can't make God happy? Well, that's probably not it. You ever feel like, I'm just not on the right track. 
I'm angry with God. I'm angry with everybody else. Something's wrong. That's time to repent. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. That's time to go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, how are we? Send the Holy Spirit to fill me, right? I want to empty myself of me. I want to be dead, okay, so that I can be alive in you. It's time to have that check-in. And to submit, that's the key, to submit. You, however, this is the best. So he's talking to them about all these things that they could do and your mind and get it all right. And then he's like, you, however, are not in the flesh, but are in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. God doesn't leave once he takes up residence. You might have shoved him to your big toe, but he's still here. Let him have some space. Let him take over more and more of the house. That's what we're trying to do. And it starts with our mind. Submitting our mind to the Spirit's leading. That's why we're taking the time to go like, hey, what's God saying? Like, ah, crickets. That seems like a waste of time. It's not. Listening to God with your mind with your heart, with your spirit. So important. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, did he just call him the spirit of Christ? Just, just, did, hold on. Wait a second. Did he just say the spirit of Christ, as in Messiah, as in Jesus? All right, so why do we pit Holy Spirit and Jesus against each other so much? Right? It's like this in the church. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are just having it out. Who do you like better, Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Uh Uh-huh. Like, it's nuts. Religion is nuts. Relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is awesome. Religion is nuts. Right, I said it. The Spirit of Christ Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. Now that will scare you. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, I get that, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. If the Spirit of him, God, who raised Jesus from the dead, you got the Trinity right there, dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. So even this flesh, this grossness is going to come alive when Christ is in me, when the Holy Spirit is in me, when God Almighty takes up residence in this flesh, it's going to come alive. Woo! That's exciting. All right, here's the first point. Life in the Spirit means this mind has to be set on God. And that has to be recalibrated second by second. I can't even say day by day anymore. It's like recalibrating, 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 recalibrating. It's like the when you're trying to go somewhere and, yeah, Siri's going nuts or whatever. You know, Google 
Yeah. <laughs> We're constantly recalibrating our mind, setting it on God. Okay, that's the first thing. Uh, I'm going to skip over to chapter 10. One page over. I just want to point out a few things as I do that, okay? In, in chapter 9, verse 11, it says, not because of works. In chapter 9, verse 32, just to make it really clear that it's faith, not works. But as if it were based on works. In chapter 10, verse 3, it says, seeking to establish their own righteousness, their own works. In chapter 11, verse 6, I thought this was so astounding. I, I kept circling these, these phrases. He's like banging the same drum. It is no longer on the basis of works. Old Testament, kill a bull. Make sure you do it this way. Works, 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 works. New Testament, you cross the line. It's no longer on the basis of works. You can't do anything to save yourself. It will never be enough. You need Jesus' blood. He did it once for all. You accept it once for all. And it's finished once for all. That's good news. I mean, wake up church. That's awesome news. And if you really believe that, you're going to walk out of here like you got dynamite in your shorts. You know? Like you're just like, let's go! I can't separate from, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Isn't that how chapter 9 or 8 uh, ends? But you keep going, chapter 10. All right, now I'm there. Second point. Life in the Spirit means my heart is believing in God. My heart is believing in Jesus, in God, right? So, just look at it. Verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire, after all of this setup, nine chapters, he says, hey, can I just tell you, brothers and sisters, what I really want? <laughs> yes, Paul, please do. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that's Israel, but it's also religious people. Everyone in Rochester, Minnesota, who's religious today and is going to church and checking a box, them, is that they be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God. They go to church. They check the box. They try to look good. They give, whatever. But not according to knowledge. Oh, they think they know. But they don't know what they don't know. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit. There's our word again, isn't it? We've got to submit our mind. We've got to submit our heart. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Skip down to verse 8. But what does it say? The word, rhema, not logos, is near. I can explain it to you someday why it's special. The word is near to you. In your mouth and in your heart. We practice that today. Can you hear them? It's in your heart. You got something in your mouth? Let it come out. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Yeah, you're supposed to say it to somebody. 
Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Nothing else, nothing more, just that. For with the heart one believes and is justified. That's the start. Well, kind of the second step. I guess election was, predestination was in there somewhere before. (laughs) But that's when God drops the gavel. Boom! And he says, you're free! Jesus paid for it all. He already paid for your penalty. So you're free. You can go into eternal life with me. Oh, that's awesome. For the heart one believes in is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes. Are you everyone? Are you anyone? Do you believe? Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. Praise the Lord. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. God has so much he wants to lavish on you. His grace, his mercy, it's just pouring on you. Right now, I just picture it as a flood over you right now. Just as a waterfall, just raining down on you. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right. So much more I could say there, but it's in the heart. Do you believe? Do you have faith? My mind needs to be straight, needs to be focused on God. My heart, my belief, my trust. If this is my thoughts, this is my trust. Because we trust you. We trust you. Your ways higher than my ways. In all things, we trust you. And we're singing that, and I'm like thinking about this. Look at chapter 12. We'll end with this. I appeal to you, brothers. Verse 1. I appeal to you. This whole thing is an appeal, but here in chapter 12, he turns it to the practical. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies, the grace of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So he wants not only your mind and not only your heart, but he wants your flesh. He wants your body. He wants your whole being. And he's not going to put it on the altar. You've got to do it. Problem with a living sacrifice is it can get up and walk away. You've got to crawl back up on the altar today. You've got to lay there. Right? Unbound. God's not binding you to stay. Unbound. And you've got to die to yourself again. You've got to die to flesh. And you've got to want to live in the Spirit today. Not just yesterday. Not just one day when God came and saved you or He baptized you in water or baptized you in the Spirit. Not just that day, but every day. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy because of his holiness, acceptable to God because Jesus is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your spiritual, your reasonable service. He says this instruction, do not be conformed to the world. You're like, well, what is the world like? 
Watch the news, watch the movies, read the books. You'll know what the world is like. Just pay attention at work and when you go out to the stores. Not like that. Okay? And be transformed. Key word. Submit, submit, transformed. Submit your mind to him. Submit your heart to him. And he will transform your flesh into something brand new. He'll change you. And be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to ask Larissa to come up. And she picked this song, like so many of the songs she picked, it's just like the Holy Spirit was there, right? Because so many of the songs she picked just fit with today. But she picked this song to close with. It's called Set My Heart. And I, I'm like, this is so fitting. I don't want to skate by this. This is so fitting that we set our minds on God, the Spirit. That we set our hearts on God, the Son Jesus. And then we set our our, our bodies as a living sacrifice on the altar for the Father as a sweet-smelling savor, right? Like, so he could just, like, take it in and say, that's my kid. That is my kid. Look at her life. Look at her life. It's not perfect, but it's glorious. It's reflecting me. So let's stand, and let's sing together, set my heart. And let's go this week, prepare this week to come back and share something that God's done in your life.